You, my friend, are listening to The Happy Hearthstone. This episode is brought to you, as always, by listeners just like you. Thank you so much, Roger A., Samurai Flea, Scott L., Nate Dog, Ridiculous Hat, James W., Force B., Electric Mick, Clay HS, Matthew D., and Clay C. for supporting the show. You can join these great people and get some great perks for yourself, as in becoming a better player, over at patreon.com slash thehappyhearthstone. And be sure to join our growing Discord community. We're always having great conversations, and you can join us for free over at thehappyhearthstone.com slash Discord. Hello and welcome to episode 168 of the Happy Hearthstone, the longest running Hearthstone podcast in the history of space and time and cards. I'm your host, Andrew Brown, and this week, there's not really a lot going on. I mean, you know, Hearthstone's great and we got, you know, Rise of Shadows. Oh, wait a minute. Dollar on Heist is out. Balance changes were announced. There's a lot going on. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really excited to be on the brink of all of those announcements. It's interesting. I think I've talked about it before, but the cycle of this show coming out on Tuesday is tough because it means that usually I'll, I'll record on the weekend. Something will get announced Monday or Tuesday and I'll be right on the other side. Uh, This was one of those weeks where recording came a bit late, and by a bit late, I mean a lot late, and uh, that actually played to an advantage because we have this this huge balance announcement uh, that is coming this week, and so we'll break that down and talk about it. Uh, It may be a bit of a shorter show, uh, and that's okay, but uh, there's a lot going on right now, so, you know, we'll shoot the breeze about anything we can, give you some good thoughts. Have a fun time and have you on your way. Something along those lines. And we'll kick it off with why I'm happy today. Well, this week I'm really happy. There's actually at work, there's a big uh, construction project going on on our floor. Uh, We had like an open space concept with our desks and a lot of people did not like that. So after several months, uh, they are actually going to redo the entire floor. So because of that, they've given us permission to work from home all week. So it's kind of nice to have that flexibility. It's ironic because I actually had to drive to work to record this show in one of the conference rooms. So, uh, you know, it's a little little bit back and forth and here and there. Um, But it's just nice to kind of have that flexibility and I can do my work uh, whenever, wherever and uh, get it done. So it's going to be a good week because of that. Uh, We are less than two weeks away from baby number two coming. So super excited about that. I should be recording an episode this next week with a friend uh, from the community. And then I might have things on a small delay, so I I hope you'll understand that I need to prioritize my family during that time. Um, I'll see if I can maybe send some uh, little tidbits your way. Definitely follow me on social media at Andrew is Living if you want to uh, see pictures of baby and announcement of boy or girl, because I still don't know, because we're crazy like that and are having a lot of fun with it. Uh, So obviously, personal world, there is a ton going on with all of that. But uh, I could not be more excited. Uh, we feel like we're about as ready as you can be, given the situation and stuff. And it's uh, it's time. It's time to get baby into this world and figure out what a family of four looks like. And we're definitely soaking up our last days as a family of three. I remember feeling this way before our first. Um, 
uh, going into those last days uh, before labor and just telling my wife, like, this is the last time it's going to be uh, just the two of us, God willing, you know. And uh, and so we really soaked in that time. And I'm feeling that again in a fresh way as far as the three of us. It's not going to be the family going forward. So, um, so yeah, really thankful for that and excited. Should be a good time. So work's good. That's good. Uh, Hearthstone has been pretty good too. Dollar on Heist we'll talk about in detail. And I've been enjoying that a lot. As far as ladder's concerned, goodness, I have spent a number of games at rank three. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think when I signed off yesterday, I was at three and five stars or four stars. So I'm, I'm working my way slowly back up. I actually started working on Token Druid because I was hearing murmurs that it's good again. Uh, it's worst mashup matchup really is zoo. And because there hasn't been nearly as much zoo, it's been a lot of tempo rogue control warrior and, uh, mech hunter or mid range hunter, uh, Token Druid can take advantage of all three of those matchups sometimes. Temper Rogue's not great, but the other the other two it tends to do well against. And uh, and so Token Druid has kind of taken me up a little bit, and so that's been fun to play around with, but I uh, haven't, haven't figured out the mojo. I mean, I've, I've spent like 70 games now, I think, in a rank three. So, uh, yeah, it's been a long time. I've, I've, I've breached into rank two a couple times, but fallen back. So we'll see if Token Druid can take me all the way. Although the meta is about to change, so I don't want to get... Uh, I, I guess I want to spend the last few days that I have with this meta as intentional as I can be, but uh, following that, um, we'll see how that goes. So, um, But Dollar Run Heist has been a lot of fun to uh, just do something different. Uh, Eternal just recently had a new set release, and it, my goodness, has that game changed considerably with just a few new, very interesting uh, effects and keywords and stuff. So I've had a lot of fun uh, playing that lately, too. Uh, Apex Legends is fun. I, I don't feel like I can get into Apex Legends too much on a card game show, you know, but uh, that is the one Battle Royale that has definitely stolen my heart. So uh, I have enjoyed that. And Overwatch Anniversary is coming up this week, actually. It should be it should be live by the time the show is released. So uh, I, I'll probably uh, sink some time into that as well to get some new dance moves and uh, skins and all that kind of stuff. I saw Gargoyle Winston. That's kind of crazy. So, yeah. So happiness as far as uh, video games are concerned, there's plenty of stuff to be happy about. But let's talk about the news that we have to be happy about. Uh, first off, I want to mention that Grand Masters has begun. So if you didn't check that out this past weekend, they've been doing uh, bri- uh, broadcasting that on the Play Hearthstone Twitch. And uh, my goodness, was there a lot of Warrior and a lot of Warrior mirrors. Uh, there were Bomb Warriors, Control Warriors. I think more Bomb than Control. I could be wrong on that, though. Um, and several Tempo Rogues. So... My condolences were with the uh, the broadcasters because I, I remember saying this for the first specialist tournament that we had. It's I mean the smartest players know what to play, and so they're all going to probably choose about the same uh, class when you get to choose one of them. And uh, it makes being able to find interesting things to say about every turn pretty difficult, especially when it's uh, armor up after armor up after armor up. So uh, yeah. We've we actually had some shakeups. I actually forgot uh, forgot to mention this, but another thing that happened in the news this week was the uh, the announcements of some changes for the master qualifiers. Uh, we kind of heard that there was something coming with that. Um, the the head of esports for Hearthstone had announced that they were going to come out with something uh, early the next week, and that was uh, that came out. So basically, they're going to uh, move away from so many. There's been like six every day. 
And uh, what they're going to do is they're going to uh, they're going to reduce the number of them, and they're going to instead of just the the winner of each qualifier moving on into the uh, the big I, I can't ever remember what these things are called. Uh, it's a Masters Tour event that you qualify for. So in the past, it's been just whoever gets number uh, number one will get in. Now it's going to be number one and number two, which I, th- I think that is a great change. But in addition to that, and I think this is the most significant thing, players who make the top eight of a Masters qualifier six times within the same qualifying season will earn an invite to their Masters Tour event as well. And I think that's huge because I saw many semi-pro players doing consistently well over many tournaments, but never quite getting number one. Because let's be honest, in order to get there, you have to have some luck on your side. You need to be a good player also, but um, but some of these players were just consistently getting up there so many times. And they actually retroactively applied it to this past uh, season. So there were several people, I can't even do a, re- a quick count, but it's probably around 20 that actually made it in because of that. Um, they're also paying attention to the specialist format. I can't imagine that they're not, uh, already thinking about what to do instead. I would anticipate that they are trying to come up with maybe some kind of a hybrid between specialist and conquest because just going back to conquest would probably not look great. And I, there were complaints about conquest too. So, and granted, there are always going to be complaints about everything because we're humans, right? Um, but I, I bet they're trying to take some elements from Specialist and combine them with some elements from uh, from Conquest. Maybe it's um, maybe it's two different classes that you get to choose and have three different variations of each or something like that. Uh, and it's a best of five. I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do with that. But uh, they said no changes to the format itself, but they are going to try and do that. Um, and that they're going to continue listening to the community on that. So, um, so sorry, that was a sidestep with Masters qualifiers because there were yeah, there were quite a bit of a few announcements there. Um, but the Grand Masters uh, was uh, was interesting. I didn't watch a ton of it just because I didn't want to watch Resident Sleeper matches all day long. Um, but uh, but I, I anticipate that with the realities that were on display through that with specialists. That there has to, that hopefully there will be some change in the not too distant future. They may have to do a season of this, or um, just to keep it fair. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think there is a lot of room for improvement. I, I love the idea that they've gotten all of these really high level players in a league format playing against each other regularly. I think that that makes for great content. Um, but there are many other parameters that I think can be cleaned up, and hopefully we'll see some improvements with that. Uh, even with the leaner staff, if I understand correctly, I believe that the esports teams for all of Blizzard franchises were cut pretty significantly with that last uh, round of layoffs. So uh, I I hope for the best. I, there's a lot of room for improvement that's kind of been uh, front and center for all of that. But it's, I'm I'm encouraged to see some changes already implemented, and uh, I'm sure there will be even more. But it's not just uh, it's not just the game itself that needs improvement, or it's not just the uh, the the tours and the esports divisions, but it's also uh, the core game experience. There were some uh, patch notes and updates mentioned, and we'll talk through all of these in depth during the main topic. So I'll save the uh, you know because I'm sure you haven't heard of these yet. So this will be completely uh, catching you off guard here. That's sarcasm if you can't uh, detect that. So. 
and last, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Dalaran Heist. So it is out now. Hooray. We had the first wing unlock for free for everyone playing uh, with Togwaggle to steal the bank. Uh, not steal the bank, but steal the contents within the bank, right? Um, and that was fun, and you, you got to play as the mage hero for that. And if you unlocked the second wing, uh, you could play with, uh, with Hagatha going into Violet Hold and unleashing all of the beasts and creatures that were in there. And you unlocked a hunter and shaman for that. Uh, and you can go through and play with any of those classes. Uh, for the completionists, you can try and get through every chapter with every class. I'm not too tied to that. Um, I my uh, because especially because I'm still trying to do a lot of work on the ladder. Dalaran Heist has been a really fun, uh, different experience to have to kind of fill in between rounds and stuff like that. Or if I'm getting too too salty with the ladder, I can go you know rob some banks. That's that's always a light activity, right? <laughs> um, and I, I honestly I I especially appreciate how they enabled these acts of progression as you play through because one of my biggest concerns or uh, I guess criticisms of like Dungeon Run and Monster Hunt is that they were fun to play but you know you go up against that villain who just high rolls you and it feels awful or you choose a treasure hoping that you'll get certain things and you just never get them so you're double death rattles and you have one death rattle card in your entire deck just stinks right <laughs> And so you lose and then you just start all over and you have to keep going. I love the progression of being able to unlock decks and hero powers. I'm sure for any of you who have played this for any amount of time, you agree that even if you lose, being able to make some progression on those quests to unlock real rewards that can change the course of how your runs go uh, is really cool. I've got to say real quick, if you have not played Mage as uh, Rakanishu with the hero power that uh, is one mana that uh, reduces the cost of a card in your hand to, uh, to no by two, and it uh, and use the treasure that reduces the cost of your hero power by one and allows you to use it twice. If you're keeping track of your math, that means that that hero power is zero cost and you can use it twice to reduce uh, copies in your hand to zero or by two. So uh, it's it's kind of insane because you basically just get cheaper cards every turn. And uh, turn one, it's very likely you can dump a couple cards from your hand and do things. I, I was playing four mana Ragnaroses and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. It's kind of fun. You should try that. So, uh, and Wondrous Wisdom Ball, of course, is amazing. If you haven't checked that out yet, you're really missing out. I snap pick that every time I get to because sometimes I draw an extra card. Sometimes I give you an ice block when you were about to die. Sometimes he clears the board when you really need him to. So he's, he's Wondrous, truly. There's just a lot of fun, a lot of different things. I'm really looking forward to the rest of those uh, wings and especially all the different heroes, hero powers. Uh, it, there's a lot to dabble around with, so even more so than dungeon runs. And I mean, the treasures, I remember feeling spoiled by those, that you're just doing these crazy things with your deck and now it's, uh, it's insane. So I uh, definitely want to encourage you to check all of that out. All right, so for our sponsor break, before we jump into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I want to remind you and tell you about the inner fire. 
Some of you have heard of this. Others of you who may just be tuning in for the first time may not have. What's the inner fire? The inner fire is essentially my inner circle. And what this is is a place for players, perhaps like yourself, who really want to get better at Hearthstone but don't quite know what to do. We all know we need to play more. We need to find the right decks. We need to... Uh, you know, level up, find teammates to play with, you know, all there's all sorts of stuff. And it can sort of be a, a haze, if you will, of kind of making your way up through the ranks. And what I've done is I've created a, a place for players who really are intentional about their gameplay and want to get better to connect with each other and uh, to go through some some steps and lessons that I'm crafting as we go of how to improve at this game. And in fact, I'm really excited this week. Um, we do we do one deep dive every single month. And this week we're doing our deep dive about build how to build your collection intentionally. This is something we all do and it's on autopilot for most of us. Um, but you know, you wonder, okay, how do I spend my in-game gold efficiently? Because an in-game gold is really valuable, but your dust might even be more valuable. So how do you prioritize different legendaries or epics that you want to craft? And how do you, uh, you know, do that? It can, uh, I, I haze is the best word that comes to mind because it seems like maybe you can get some good tips and stuff, but there's not really a good structure. So I'm really excited. I've been working on this this week uh, to go over this with people who are in the inner fire. Uh, and we have a live recording every single month of that exclusive to the, to the inner fire. And then I, I give the replays to them as well to be able to see those. So if you're interested in checking that out, I would definitely encourage you to do that. And you can go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the happy hearthstone. And the inner fire access uh, begins at $10 a month. And so you can go and check that out, get exclusive access to our inner fire discord, where we're talking about these things on a daily basis and access to these uh, to these deep dives that we're doing. And actually, our very next goal for the Patreon is that we will uh, I'll double up the deep dives that I'm doing. So there will be two a month instead of just one. So your the value on that will just increase for everybody who's a part of that very quickly. Uh, and we only need a few more people to join to get there, actually. So definitely go check it out. Again, patreon.com slash thehappyhearthstone. $10 a month or above, you get access to the Inner Fire. And honestly, like this is one of the best investments you can make in, in yourself in order to get better at this game and uh, just intentionally grow as a player. Let's all intentionally grow as a player as we process these balance changes. It's no surprise to anyone, I think, that we're seeing balance changes we're seeing them primarily focused on Rogue. Uh, none of that surprises anyone. I think, on the other hand, what does surprise many of us is that this is a practically only Rogue that is affected by this. And, uh, you know, a little nod at this Archivist Elysiana that I, I didn't really give much of a second thought of when she was announced, but has uh, really been an issue <laughs> In control matchups for all of these uh, Masters qualifiers and specialists, well, anything with specialists, honestly. Uh, so yeah, th these are very interesting. So we're going to talk about these. I'll give you my hot takes. Um, I will say before I give you my opinions on this, that by the time this is announced, uh, our good friend Wicked Good will have released an episode of Off Curve talking about uh, these nerfs in detail, as he usually does. And though I have not listened to it because I believe it has not been recorded as I'm recording this, I can guarantee you that his thoughts will be helpful for you uh, to process this as well. So um, I, I want to highly encourage you when you're done listening to this, go check out Off Curve and listen to his thoughts. Uh, who knows? He might catch something that I, I'm completely missing, um, but I, I'm definitely eager to listen to his thoughts as well. 
on this. So without further ado, let's talk about these nerfs. Uh, these are simple nerfs like Hearthstone has been doing for many, many iterations now. Uh, so none of these are going to change the identity of the cards, but there are lots of implications for them, especially with this Rogue class. Rogue is a class that is very interdependent as far as cards are concerned. And interdependent is a term that just means like uh, there's no... There's not, it's not usually that a card is good on its own because the combo effect uh, necessarily means that you have another card that is good to use with it, essentially. And actually, so two of these cards are combo cards, and then the third is the most infamous combo enabler. So, uh, so maybe, well, we'll just see how the conversation goes. This will be kind of a, uh, on the top of my mind, off the cuff idea. So there might be some uh, some weaving in in and out of uh, going between the cards and stuff. But I'll try my best to talk about each individually. So Evil Miscreant was a three mana one five with combo add two random lackeys to your hand, and all they have changed with it is the health of Evil Miscreant. The health is going from five to four, so it's down one health. Uh, and they, they said here, Evil Miscreant is meant to be a value-generating card that creates future swing turns, but having five health on this minion means rogue players sacrifice very little to set up those turns. We expect that Evil Miscreant will continue to be a great option for rogue decks, just at a power level that is more in line with other val- available cards. My personal opinion is that that is not very accurate. <laughs> Evil Miscreant is good because of its effect. I have a feeling that if Evil Miscreant were a three mana one one with the same effect, it would still see play because it's not so much the minion that's valuable, although it is nice to have a minion with five health on turn three or turn two with the coin because it will it's almost guaranteed to stick around and that's nice for uh, some of the enablers like uh, the Goblin Lackey that gives you an extra attack or uh, the Evolve uh, Lackey especially. Um, you know, being able to combo that with the Evil Miscreant is great, but there are many times that on turn two, you just want to coin it out and you hope he lives. And the five health makes that very, very likely. Four health, I feel like is still very, very likely. Um, in fact, I can't really think of any three mana one four minions that we've had other than Stonehill Defender, I suppose. And Stonehill Defender was used as a card that generated extra value, but it was one big card rather than a couple of little cards. The reason that lackeys are so powerful in Rogue is that they enable the combo effect that was used in order to get them for future cards. And uh, you think about all of the combo cards that have been in Lackey Rogue lately. So uh, Evil Miscreant, Raiding Party, Edwin Van Cleef, um... There are probably one or two I'm forgetting. That's all that's coming to mind right now. You got Shadow Step, Deadly Poison, Waggle Pick. Yeah, all these other cards don't necessarily use that, but um, the lackeys can feed off of each other. They can easily enable combos to happen uh, because even if you use your coin to get Evil Miscreant out on the board, then you've got these two lackeys. Honestly, I feel like this should have been a, um, like, get Evil Miscreant to a 1-3 and add one random lackey to your hand. Uh, maybe even a two-mana 1-3 with add one random lackey, because I, I think that one random lackey is enough, um, but it's just, uh, I feel like two lackeys is too strong. And this health, in my opinion, just doesn't really do any, this is probably the weakest nerf out of any of these uh, that we'll see. And 
you know, I will I will temper my expectations and thoughts with a dash of the history because I remember thinking that the Call of the Wild nerf from eight mana to nine mana would do nothing. And it saw no play after that. So I could absolutely be wrong about this. But uh, my bull prediction is that Evil Miscreant is going to see no change in play as a result of this. Um, but these other rogue nerfs absolutely could change things quite a bit. Let's talk about Raiding Party because this one uh, surprises no one that it's getting the nerf bat here. A Raiding Party is a three mana spell. Draw two pirates from your deck, combo, and a weapon. And it is being changed from three mana to four mana. That isn't a big number, a big jump, uh, but it will be gameplay-wise, I think, uh, in a significant way. The reason for nerfing this, uh, they said Rogue already excels at drawing cards, so having another powerful option that offers consistent results has resulted in Rogue games that play it a little too similarly than we think is fun. We're making this change to better represent the power level of drawing from a very specific subset of cards. I think that's uh, that's just really smart. I don't think anyone really saw that uh, that with Waggle Pick Strength, uh, it was just going to make sense to just have uh, you know Dread Corsair, Sassy Deckhands, Captain Greenskin find it, finds its way into some decks. I don't think they're really well. Bloodsail Corsairs even have found <laughs> their way to kind of counter other weapons that have been uh, popping up in Rogues, of course. So for the mirror, and uh, also Hunters are pretty pretty prominent with their weapon strategies as well. So, so yeah, I mean, honestly, Arcane Intellect is kind of a, uh, a backbone as far as understanding how mana should work with cards. Three mana, draw two cards. It makes sense. It's, it's a fine card. It's a good card when used in decks that take advantage of spells. So having a three mana card that not only draws you three things, but three very specific things. Uh, when you're facing up against a rogue right now, you know when they've played Raiding Party with a combo activated that they have a waggle pick in hand. Uh, because that is the only weapon that Rogue really is running right now. Uh, and with the Pirates, you're anticipating a Dread Corsair, uh, potentially Saucy Deckhand. So you know that those are very likely what you're going to go up against. So, uh, And if you've been playing Tempo Rogue, you love this card because you're able to, uh, to anticipate exactly what you're going to get from that. And being able to thin out your deck of those cards uh, means that you're going to get something else that can probably contribute to your strategy the next turn rather than something that is exactly the same. So I think four mana is uh, is definitely more fair. I think the card is still good, probably will still see some play. Um, I, yeah, I guess it, it really is impossible to talk about this card, especially without uh, talking about the next card, because what I, I think what's been so powerful with Raiding Party is being able to prep it out on turn one or turn two coin into Edwin Van Cleef and you get a... What is that? Uh, one, two, three. So that's a eight, eight. It's an eight, eight on turn three, uh, as well as drawing uh, several cards that are very good. You can follow that up on turn three with a saucy deck hand and ping. I guess I don't know. It's not so much that as much as it is the big Edwin. <laughs> but uh, but prep is the big one that is getting a change now, and I think I think this one is really the thing to. Uh, that we will look at the, this nerf round as being the big the big change for the better. And preparation is a part of classic. I guess I should have mentioned Evil Miscreant was in Rise of Shadows raiding party. I, I'm I'm pretty sure is part of uh, Rastakhan's Rumble. Preparation being part of the classic set means that its nerf is significant to the identity of Rogue. And the reason this card has always been around, I should say what it is, zero mana, 
uh, spell. The next spell you cast this turn costs three mana less, and it's being changed to the next spell you cast this turn costs two mana less. So your discount is two mana instead of three. And the reason this has always been such a core identity is because that all spells that have any kind of combo effects, uh, you can basically get for free if they're three mana or less, or even if they're more so. I mean, prep, preparation and sprint has been a strategy for a long time. I mean, since the beginning, since sprint's a basic card. Um, and you do that, and it's a four mana draw four cards, which is incredibly powerful. Uh, and especially where Rogue has played a lot of miracle, uh, miracle style decks, which want to draw through their their deck, uh, that's a great uh, backbone that you don't need uh, Gadgets and Auctioneer for. So, um, yeah, so being able to discount car, uh, spells that are really pricey like that, but especially being able to enable combo cards. I mean, there are plenty of times when I played Lackey Rogue that I will play Preparation into Evil Miscreant on turn three because I didn't have the coin. I need those lackeys. I need to start getting a board advantage. And uh, and it's worth it to play this zero mana card that does nothing, literally. I mean, that's honestly why you've seen uh, Wisps making their way into some lackey rogue lists is because you just don't care. You need something to play in addition in order to get those really powerful combo effects. So uh, this change of one mana is pretty significant and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Let's look at their reasoning here uh, behind the nerf here. They said, all changes we make to the basic and classic sets are aimed at ensuring Hearthstone's long-term health. Preparation is currently seen as, as such a powerful card that it appears in nearly all rogue deck archetypes. That said, the change we've landed on is a small one. While we do want the card's power to decrease, we also think it's important for preparation to remain a reasonable option since it fits the rogue class fantasy so well. Preparation is regularly used to reduce the cost of cards like Sap or Eviscerate, and those interactions will remain unchanged. Reducing the cost of your next spell by 2 as opposed to 3 opens our design options up a little more to create higher cost rogue spells without having to balance so closely around the assumption that they'll be cast alongside Preparation. So I think all of that is is very uh, very fair. Honestly, this has been the balance change that's been in my mind the most prominently, and it's exactly what I was hoping for. I think that Indeed, this retains the identity of Rogue, which if you're going to, I mean, combo is so integrated into who Rogue is, having at least this card as a fallback for to activate anything like that is a really big deal. And, you know, prepping Eviscerate isn't necessarily the most broken interaction in the entire game, right? It's a good interaction because being able to deal four damage out of nowhere for two mana is very strong. Um, and actually, I guess it would be for zero mana with this. Um, but I don't anticipate that preparation has ever been a problem because it enables combos. Uh, combo cards, I mean, SI7 Agent is a very strong one still, and, uh, you know, that one doesn't need a mana reduction in order to be good. Uh, although it doesn't hurt when you shadow step, of course. Uh, so I, I think that modifying this just slightly, I mean, this in touch with Raiding Party's nerf, now means that if you combo or if you combo prep with raiding party, you still have to use two mana in order to to play raiding party. That's significant because before you could play it for zero with prep, which meant for me at least that there were several games where I would prep out raiding party on turn one because I didn't have a good hand and I had those cards and I needed to make sure that I had some uh, some cards ready. Or, of course, like I alluded to before, you could prep Raiding Party and coin out Edwin on turn two. And that's just a little too good in my, in my estimation. I mean, there are some cards that can deal with it. 
Uh, there's not a ton in this meta right now, I don't think, uh, as far as just straight up removing minions now that Vile Spine's gone. Which is a good thing, don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I, I had plenty of games where I was upset at Vile Spine being, <laughs> being a card. But I think this is just going to make the draw mechanic far more fair. Uh, preparation, I think, still will be used, like they said, um, in the perpetual future. And I love these these nerfs that make that keep a card's identity intact, which this absolutely does. Makes it probably more fair and still absolutely usable because we all know it's it's the truly good cards, or some might call broken cards, that get taken advantage of too often. And I think that this keeps preparation good, just not too good. Uh, and I, I love hearing that that opens up design space for them to do some things in the future with big spells and, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I don't know that you're going to be as excited to prep out sprint now on turn five with this, uh, but that's okay. There are better ways. I gadgets and auctioneer of course comes to mind as the better way, uh, to draw through your deck than this. So, uh, so yeah, so I think that overall these changes are good. I think that Raiding Party and Prep are definitely more fair and still good enough. I, I don't know if Raiding Party is quite good enough anymore. Um, it's it's always tough to to see with too much certainty how things will shake out. I think that there will still be variants of Pirate Rogue uh, that make its way out there. I don't know if it'll if it'll look exactly like Lackey Rogue has. Maybe it will. Um, but like I mentioned, Evil Miscreant is still going to be really, really strong. I don't think uh, I don't think this nerf really did much of anything. So yeah, those are the those are the rogue nerfs. And the very last one we see here is is with Archivist Elysiana, an eight mana seven seven battle cry. Discover five cards, replace your deck with two copies of each. And the change that they're making is that they're upping the mana cost of this from eight mana to nine mana. And uh, the reasons are obvious if you've been around this or the Masters Qualifiers events or anything like that, but I'll, I'll go ahead and read what they say here. Our goal here was to preserve the feeling and power of Archivist Elysiana when it comes to general use, while making much more difficult to play her multiple times in the same game. Shaman will still be able to play Elysiana through Shutterwalk, but this is not as common or problematic as what we've seen in Control Warrior decks. Now playing Elysiana alongside cards like Baleful Banker or Youthful Brewmaster should be a less consistent strategy. So that's true. Uh, and I have heard this said that, that we had to watch if Archivist Elysiana got bumped up in mana, that it would just make Control Shaman better because it would be more resilient to long games than Control Warrior would be. So in the mirror now, it is much more likely that... Uh, that a control shaman is going to, well that's not a mirror is it it's much more likely in the control shaman versus control warrior matchup the control shaman is going to be able to uh to stick in the game for longer than the control warrior can because those control fests become about who can outlast the other and archivist Lisiana being able to play her multiple times in a game essentially gives you a deck of 40 or even 50 or 60 cards potentially uh, based off how it's played, I guess actually the insanity with an eight mana Elysiana is that you could have, uh, this is this is insanity, but you could do this, is you could have double Youthful Brewmaster, double Baleful Banker, and Shutterwalk in a Control Shaman. And so you could play her, that's, is it six times? So 60 cards you could have, so a 90 card deck. I mean, yeah, that you're going to run into the turn, uh, the turn time, or the, the max turns, I think it is 90 turns that you're allowed to, to play a game before it just explodes and it's a tie. Uh, but anyway, 
Regardless, moving this up to nine mana means that it is going to be very difficult, not impossible, for a control warrior to uh, to recycle Elysiana. While control shaman don't need anything other than to just straight up play Elysiana in order for Shutterwalk to gain its battle cry effect. So the reason I say not impossible is because a control warrior with the coin can absolutely still Archivist Elysiana, coin, and then either Baleful Banker or Youthful Brewmaster. This is inherently the problem, though, with this, is that now the issue in Control Warrior Mirrors is not going to typically be who plays the best. It's going to be who got the coin at the beginning of the game. If we see Control Warriors continue to run Baleful Bankers and Youthful Brewmasters, I think that this is especially a problem for Masters Qualifier events, honestly, because we've seen plenty of mirrors in there, and honestly, it's the biggest issue with uh, the length of those uh, those league matches and stuff like that is uh, purely Elysiana and Control Warrior Mirrors. And now, uh, if you are doing one of those mirror matches, the person who got the coin is going to be able to Baleful Banker, Youthful Brewmaster, their Elysiana. The other person is going to hope that uh, their Elysiana isn't killed. Spoiler alert, at that level of play, both players know that's true. And I would anticipate, actually, that the person who doesn't get the coin might even just concede because the chances of them winning are very slim unless they just get a bananas Elysiana pool and the other person does not. So I'm, I don't know what quite what the word is, but I, I guess worried is probably the, the most positive, happy, harstony word that I could use. I'm, I'm worried about the implications of this. Even though I think it is good overall that Elysiana is getting changed. And the truth is that moving Elysiana to 10 mana uh, is going to leave us in the exact same spot other than the coin issue. And I think that that's worth it in my mind. Uh, but it will take some uh, some reorienting of, of what the meta looks like with this to figure that out. Because there's a chance, honestly, that just because it's a coin flip means the Control Warrior may just elect to not have that in their arsenal at all. For Specialist Tournaments, you're allowed three variations, so I think they will still absolutely have one for the Mirror, especially, that has a Baleful Banker, maybe even a Youthful Brewmaster also. Uh, just to just to make sure that they if they have the coin that they win it and if they don't uh, you know I guess just hoping to get lucky and Elysiana sticks for a turn and then they go from there because that's the way you win those matchups is just uh, is outlasting your opponent so we'll see what the implications of this is this is another one similar to Evil Miscreant that I'm kind of going I don't know if this uh, is going to shake out the best but I don't have the crystal ball. I can't see for sure. I just have my concerns uh, based off what I can see. So those are my thoughts on all of the nerfs. Uh, How is this going to affect things? Well, Lackey Rogue is going to get a little less powerful. Prep and Raiding Party especially being the big ways that it's going to be a little less reliable to get the cards that you need and to cycle through quickly. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people have been looking at Myra's Unstable Element as another card that probably needs to get changed. Although now with prep, uh, it, it is still going to cost you, what is that, three mana instead of two? So that's, <laughs> it's funny to think that's a nerf to Byros, but it kind of is. Um, Lackey Rogue is still going to be powerful. It's I, I think it's going to be less oppressive and because it's just a little bit less reliable than it was before. Uh, Temp- Tempo Lackey Rogue has just done so many things so well. 
the only Achilles heel be, being healing, but Life Drinker kind of made up for that uh, ever so slightly. So I think with this, it's going to temper things just enough for some archetypes like Mech Hunter to get better because Mech Hunter has been uh, the, it's mostly been stuffed by Tempo Rogue. So with that matchup being a little bit more even, I think that Mech Hunter is really going to rise and be uh, be much better than before. Another archetype that actually has me a little bit nervous is Nomi Priest. Nomi Priest has been very, very strong against things like Control Warrior uh, because there aren't enough um, board clears in that matchup for Control Priest to, to go through. And I think that its biggest problems have been Tempo Rogue, which is just able to move quickly, do a lot of damage out of nowhere with Leroy and, and Wagglepick and, and buffing up weapons and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I think that with this getting a little bit slower, Nomi Priest is going to have a better chance of being able to stabilize the board, which is all they want to do. They just they want to cycle through the deck as quickly as possible and get to Nomi on the board, shadow step it to have uh, to force the opponent to either win or deal with it. Uh, win or lose, I suppose, is the, <laughs> is the more simple way to put that. Uh, and I, I'm wondering if Nomi Priest is going to be able to step up a little bit. Hunter will absolutely keep it in check because Hunter is able to um, to just cut through and, and deal damage too fast for them to be able to keep up. But uh, and Bomb Warrior has been keeping Nomi Priest in, in a staunch check as well because uh, that's the thing about drawing through your entire deck. If you're drawing six bombs as you go through, you tend to die. It's just math. It's the way it works. So I'm interested to see how that shakes out. And then Conjurer's Mage has really been this weird deck that I still don't know what to do with. Uh, I actually haven't been able to check it out in a while, and I'm I'm interested to actually just look real quick to see what its uh, what its best matchups are. Uh, looking real quick, of course, at the HS replay page on this, the most prominent one actually right now is Spell Mage. Uh, there's a dragon variant. Uh, the two variants of it right now are basically dragon, which runs a heavy dra dragon package with Twilight Drakes, Scale Worms, and those aren't dragons, but they take advantage of it, and Crowd Roasters and some other stuff. Uh, and then Spell Mage has been uh, low, or a lot of cheap spells trying to make use of Mana Cyclone and Elemental Evocation, getting a ton of spells in your hand and just doing a weird, wacky thing. So Spell Mage actually has a really poor matchups against Tempo Rogue, Control Warrior, and Mech Hunter, which all of those are probably still going to be good. And Dragon Mage uh, does really well against Control Warrior, but still struggles against uh, Tempo Rogue and Mech Hunter. So I don't know that it's ever uh, that it's going to take off too much. Uh, the The tough thing looking at this data actually is that Spell Mage is probably one of the most uh, misunderstood classes so a lot of people jumping on and trying to play with it and not playing it optimally um so i'd be really interested uh, if you if you're at hsreplay.net you're a premium user you can look at specific niches of the ladder so you can actually look at uh, just ranks one through five or just legend i'd be interested in seeing how some of the best players do with that deck because i would anticipate win rates go up and that you get a better representation of what um of, of what that deck is truly strong against but uh, that deck's kind of been eluding me for a while and i need to just spend some time with it to to get better so um, yeah, so those are some of my predictions. I, I guess uh, Tempo Rogue will be a little bit more fair. Mech Hunter is probably uh, well-suited for what's to come. 
And even Nomi Priest might be waiting in the wings to really do some uh, do some dastardly deeds. So I'll be excited to see how all that goes down. So as we move into the community section, I cannot tell you how blown away I have been lately by those of you who have been leaving reviews. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I... I say it every time because it really matters. You have to listen to these words I'm saying. You remember Rush Hour? You need to listen to the words I'm saying out of my mouth. No one understands the words coming out of your mouth. It is important that you believe the words I'm saying because they are true. Leaving an iTunes review, an Apple podcast review really, really matters. And uh, I, I can speak for myself saying it truly matters to my heart. And I have been so wildly encouraged by what some of you have had to say about the show. If that was it, it would mean, it would mean the world to me and, and be enough. Uh, but it also helps other people find the show. Because when they're searching for Hearthstone Podcasts, the way Apple Podcasts works is it'll populate uh, shows that have been around for a while that have really good overall reviews. And uh, so you leaving a review actually helps the show for the indefinite future. So if you enjoy this show, if it's something that you like listening to, please take the few minutes it takes uh, to either switch over on your phone right now and leave the review, or maybe when you get home, if you're out on the road or heading to work, and just take a couple minutes to get on iTunes and leave that review. I'd love to read it on the show, and I'm so thankful. I've got a couple to read here. Uh, one is from SLG Host, I believe. SL Ghost. I did this when I read it first. <laughs> SL Ghost is probably that. The title is Positive and Thoughtful, five stars. They said, I've been listening to the Happy Hearthstone for the last year or so, and I don't think there's another Hearthstone podcast that is as positive and thoughtful as this one is. Whether you are a casual beginner or someone looking to take their game to the next level, Andrew and his guests speak into where you are at. Andrew and the Happy Hearthstone community are both insightful and inviting. Check it out. Scott Snowpack. Thank you so much, Scott Snowpack. <laughs> it really means a lot. And uh, I'm just so thankful that for that whole time that you've been listening, that this has been a positive place for you to learn and grow. That's what I hope for. And uh, so to hear that that's your experience, it really means the world to me, man. So thank you. And then Faz7861 titles his really the best Hearthstone podcast. Wow. Five stars. And he said, a podcast is only as good as its podcasters, and there's no one as good as Andrew. He is truly invested and wants you to enjoy your Hearthstone experience. In my opinion, the three best Hearthstone podcasts in order are one, The Happy Hearthstone, two, Valence Chosen, great job by Grant and his team, and 1600 Dust when you only have 30 minutes. Listening to Andrew will teach you a great deal about what makes this game so great. It's all about your experience. Do yourself a favor and listen to The Happy Hearthstone. Seriously, man, I know, I know I've gotten to know you over the over the years on Twitter and stuff, uh, but I, I really appreciate that, and I don't mind at all shouting out Valens and 1600 does for the great job that they do as well. So thank you so much. Uh, that is as humbling as it gets that this is your go-to, man. So uh, thank you so much, and uh, just want to thank all of you who have been stepping in to do that uh, lately. There's been a great influx of those reviews, and I will be doing the uh, the drawing at, I believe it's actually at the end of this month. So we'll say the first episode of June, after I get back from baby probably, uh, I'll do a drawing. So if you'd like to be in that drawing for a free hour of coaching, all you have to do is leave a review and then email me at thehappyhearthstone at gmail.com and let me know you'd like to enter with your username that you left the review on. Or you, if you've left a review in the past, I don't want to disinclude you. You just need to write me an email and uh, at thehappyarsongmail.com and let me know that you would like to do that. So please do that. And of course, that brings me to one of my favorite sections of the show. It's the card of the week. Hey, can I take you down a, a little bit of history lane real quick before I do this? And I promise I'm not delaying this because 
I've got I've got quite the card of the week for you here. But for those of you who are maybe newer to the show and haven't gone back and listened to the very beginning, I want you to know card of the week is like a sacred moment in the halls of history for the Happy Hearthstone. It's literally been from the very beginning of this show. Uh, I unfortunately can't say that every episode has had them because there have been some dev interviews where I haven't uh, taken them to the fullest extent of the law when it comes to Happy Hearthstone. Um, but for the most part, uh, it's it's always just a fun time to have a little bit of fun and talk about a card that we all either love or hate or, or something in between. I'll let you all figure out exactly um, which one this one is, uh, and this will take you on some emotional uh, on some emotional rides. So here we go. I find it hard to do the damage that I want to do. Prepping doesn't feel as strong when it's discounting too. I get some tempo when I waggle picking upgrade. Deadly poison, green skin, 21 damage coming in. I'll remember when my Myras gave me the win. Drawing through my deck to find the damage I've been. Waiting for since turn one, but I'm drawing. Blanks every turn, dagger up to pretend that I have got a chance to win. But oh yes, here's the card now that'll send me to my best. Hello, hello, Leroy's coming in to take you down to zero, zero. Oh no, wait, that's not exactly quite lethal, lethal. Shadow step him now. Now this one's for real, real. He really was my way out. Hello, hello. Leroy Jenkins got the power to make you feel, feel like you never had a chance and have to deal, deal with losing from full health in one turn. That's not really real, real, but it sure feels like it most times. Yeah, that's pretty good. You can go back and listen to it. I'm proud of that. <laughs> uh, Leroy Jenkins, five mana, six two, classic, legendary. I, I mean, he's a classic character, honestly, in the world of Warcraft. He has charge and battle cry, summon two one one whelps for your opponent. I remember seeing this card from the very beginning, and ah, oh, Leroy Jenkins, so iconic in the Warcraft universe. So of course he had to be a Hearthstone card. And this just feels like him, right? Uh, I mean, if you haven't seen the YouTube, uh, the very first Leroy Jenkins being a character who rushed into a raid far too quickly and uh, ended up being immortalized because it was such, I mean, it was YouTube before YouTube existed. I think it was like an E-bombs world thing back in the day. That's like old school internet stuff. Uh, but this card just feels like him where he rushes in, he deals some damage, but he's summoned these one ones that unless you have some alternate way of dealing with them, they're just gonna kill him the next turn. Uh, but really what Leroy's place has always been is just as, as six damage burst from hand uh, to deal to deal insanely with what's going on. There really aren't any insane combos that uh, enable Leroy to, uh, to to maintain presence on the board for too long or, or to extend his stay. He is Leroy Jenkins, after all. He's, he's a flash in the pan, <laughs> as he should be. But the, really the problem has been uh, with him being able just to, just being a charge minion with six damage means that a lot of aggressive decks really want to take advantage of that. And any deck just being able to deal that six damage might be just what you need to close out the game and get you the win. Uh, the things that he's really fallen in trouble with uh, back, he actually used to be four mana at the beginning, or maybe, I, I, don't, I don't know for sure at the beginning. When I started playing, he was. This is one of the first round of nerfs I saw in my gameplay was when he went from four to five. And the big reason was because with Warlock, you had this dastardly combo where for four mana, you could play Leroy Jenkins. You could power overwhelming him so he would be 10 damage or 10, 10 attack. And then you could play a faceless manipulator and that's 20 damage immediately. Uh, it's a 10, 10 uh, mana combo but pretty dang good and was used a lot. So five mana, you can still face this manipulator him. Power Overwhelming is obviously in the Hall of Fame now, but 
Uh, yeah, everyone was kind of, I, I was anticipating a little, a little something with Leroy and I don't quite know how you change him without changing his flavor. A lot of people have asked for him to be Hall of Famed because people are kind of sick of him. It's it's just tough because Leroy is so iconic. So I, I would anticipate that there's a lot of resistance internally for them to make that change just because Leroy not being in standard play just feels not quite as authentic for the Warcraft community, you know? Um, but Hearthstone is its own thing. I think that Leroy has had plenty of his time in the sun, and I... I mean, I even struggle to say it myself, but I do think it would probably be healthier for the game if we see him at least even temporarily placed in the Hall of Fame. I wonder if they'd be willing to, from the beginning, say that. Like, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame for even one year, two years, and then we'll bring him back. It could even be indefinite to say, hey, we're going to put him in the Hall of Fame, but we are going to open up in the future the possibility of bringing him back. I, and I mean, honestly, they could do that at any point with any Hall of Fame if they wanted to. They haven't said that that could be uh, the case. I, I don't want to see Leroy gone forever necessarily, but golly, with Waggle Pick and Shadow Step, you can do so much damage. Um, and really, my song was supposed to be a nod to, even all, even though all of these other uh, cards got hit, uh, Leroy, and Leroy is still a very big part of why Rogue is so good right now. So uh, I think they should be just fine with all these other things. So... Uh, yeah, look at me saying that we're going to have a shorter show. And of course we don't because we never do. That's my fault. But hopefully you enjoyed this look at all the nerfs and stuff. I want to remind you as always, as I'm closing up here, that you are the happy Hearthstone. This podcast exists for you. It's sustained by you. The truth is that as I've sort of, uh, uh, taken a pivot in the Patreon, as far as it, you know, it used to be a place where people would come and I, you know, I would just accept donations for people who, uh, who enjoyed the show. I've really been working hard to create value on there so that it truly is an investment in yourself and in your gameplay. And I'm, I'm excited as I continue to just craft the identity for what this show is, that this would be a place that you enjoy coming to, where we can have fun discussions and not take ourselves too seriously. But at the end of the day, that I can also give you plenty of tools to help you get better at the game, whether that's through the podcast, in the inner fire, uh, or beyond. So I just want to uh, tell you all that you should go and check it out, patreon.com slash the happy hearthstone and considering becoming a part of that family. Uh, like I mentioned, we got the deep dive coming up this week, or if you missed it, if you're listening to this later in the week, uh, you can still join and you'll get the replay for that. And I want to send a huge thank you to the producers of the Happy Hearthstone, Menach and KJ Miller. Thank you two so much for being, uh, I, I know I, I, I've I noticed in myself, I use the same words frequently when it comes to episodes, and Backbone was one of those words I used a lot when I was talking about Rogue, and I haven't even gone back and listened to this episode yet, but I know that. But hey... To overuse it, you guys are the backbone of the show. So I so appreciate you uh, supporting the show in the ways that you do. And I'm excited for our coaching, which is a part of being a producer on this show as well. So uh, should be fun times. And then I remind you, as I did before, you can support the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts at any point. And I uh, so appreciate those of you who have done that and will do that. And as always, I'd love to hear what you thought about this show. If you'd like to uh, come and be a guest on the show, please let me know. Always an invita open invitation to anyone who's in the community. Just shoot me an email at thehappyharson at gmail.com. And with baby coming up, uh, my availability may be a little bit here and there. Who knows? Maybe while I'm chilling at home with baby, I'll have some more free time than I anticipated. But uh, so you can 
Uh, you can reach out to me on there or on social media at Andrew is living and would love to connect with you. Also, I actually streamed randomly for about an hour or so. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Andrew is living. You can follow me on there and subscribe to notifications because I was able to give my Twitter uh, friends a quick like hour uh, heads up before that happened. Uh, but those times just come up randomly where I'm able to to jump on there and we'll probably get less and less with with more kids in the house. But um, but uh, you can always do that and I always love being able to be on there when I can so uh, thank you all so much for tuning into this week's episode I'm so thankful for you thankful for this game thankful for the fun that we're having too and thankful for whatever is going to come of the meta as these changes get released I, th- I think that overall these are good and will probably get us into a place where there's more uh, even more variety and ability for things to shake up learn matchups well and uh, just not get too overpowered by insanely good combos. Literally combos. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for visiting the Happy Hearthstone and having a little fun with us. I'll see you next time. Bye.